First off, I need to introduce myself. My daddy's name was Capitalism. In a past life, I was a plantation. They used to call me slavery. Now they call me prison. AKA the big house. AKA the slammer. But I'm always down for a battle. But they still put me up against this same tired competition. Like I don't kill niggas every time. Like I don't give life sentences that reek of death. Spit bars that'll lock a nigga down. But I still got diss tracks I'm putting out. One of them's called Pipeline. I sample the test scores of third graders to produce the music. Black boy in prison get into a rap battle. Prison got too many bars. Yeah, boy, do that gun talk. I love when you rap like that. Think that's a coincidence, a gun charge called a possession? I own every nigga that's strapped. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. How easy it is to lock up a black body. How if the animals that are in cages are named criminals, they'll say it's a prison instead of a zoo. I mean, I got a whole congregation of sinners. Shoot, might as well call me Pastor Hell. Matter of fact, I'm past hell. I'm heaven. Both of us take away the black faces America don't want to see no more. Besides, when's the last time you've seen the angel walk out of heaven's gates when they already trapped there? Nigga, I'm a savior. Got degenerates, bad immigrants. Everyone that walks into me is a second-class citizen because prison got bars like chocolate. Bye. They stay lined up till I break them apart because broken families taste better. Prison got bars like monkeys hanging from cells because suicide more finger licking when the barrier's darkened. What's that y'all say? Black folks stay killing themselves anyway. So even when the guards help, it's just assisted suicide. Prison got bars. I don't sell bricks. I sell blocks. Got whole neighborhoods inside of me, but my cellmates. They multiply while they coming in And I got signed by a label named the DEA Told them feed me black bodies, I'ma keep them paid Told me to ask this question for all you optimistic people out there If you take everybody that's not black outside of prison Am I half empty or half full? Nigga, you think you hard? No, you like pedaling downhill, messing with me. You ain't going nowhere like you pedaling in spots and you still can't handle bars. I even got my target at the people in the barbershop. Every nigga in the chair is in my crosshair. I'm hungry, famished, savage, barbaric. You push weight, barbell, bell rings. I'm there, young niggas used to living by the street code. I turned those same niggas into products like barcodes because prison loves karma. Everything I spit out has a way of coming back inside of me. I mean, what can I say? Prison gets such a hold on you. My hooks are catchy now. What is history like that? Would I look like battling a rapper? Nah, I'll get into it with the ocean. See who can get more black carcasses. I mean, that whole slave ship thing got their numbers high, but the way I sell, the way I sell, the way I sell, ain't no water ever gonna be on top of me. Ain't no rapper ever gonna be able to topple me because prison got too many bars. And it ain't no major key for that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we are live from the plantation. Another episode coming to you from inside of these uh, cages uh, around America. Coming from many different places, but we all coming from the same place. Yet it's still, um, and it's a place that we've been familiar with for over 400 years. Um, just living in a in a pre.
created a state living in a in a, in an existence where this is all we've known for generation after generation after generation. Um, I was thinking about the fact that when they they currently have a plan to build some new plantations in Alabama. And I think about the language, like people saying no new prison, no new prison. And one of the things I thought about that language was like, when you take the context of the 13th Amendment or Article 1, Section 2 out of the conversation, then that's a, that's a, that's the effect and that's the language that you get. You get no new prison. But when you put the, the, the language in its proper perspective, then you get no new plantation because you understand what they actually build in. You understand what they understand. And they are preparing to enslave two more generations of black people, brown people, and white people on these plantations. You know? And it's been going on for so long that we don't even know how to we don't even know how to address it. Like the, the communities, like in Alabama, they had several communities that where these new prisons were planned. That two out of the three communities stood up and protested against it. And you had organizations and people from all over the place going to these communities to help them to organize and offer resources. And, you know, they just made pilgrimage to these communities. But no one was making pilgrimage to the communities where the people who were going to be coming from that would be filling up these institutions. And we already know, like, that's how that's how exact the science has gotten now. Like, not only do they know where the people are coming from, like, we know where, where, where people are going to be coming from. Like, the way they set it up, we look for poverty. We look for lack of resources in schools. We look for a lack of, of ownership of the resources in the communities that the people stay in, and then voila, that's where they're coming from. Like, it's scientific. Everyone can, can everyone can, like they say, um, the young brother that they've been featuring all over social media the last couple of days that had the uh, incident with, with Roland Martin, and then Dr. Boyce Watkins and then reached out to him and, and lifted him up. Like, he's talking about how he learned all this stuff on YouTube. Like, we can go on YouTube now and just, like, okay, do the research. It's, it's right there. And so um, things have been on my mind over the last several weeks. Like, these things have been just, you know, these are things I've been pondering um, for several weeks. Like, where do we go from here? I remember where we started out at. Um, I remember when we started moving and expanding. And, and and now I'm looking at where we are and we're stacked. And nobody wants to admit it. Like none of the inside guys want to admit it. None of the people on the outside want to admit it. Like all of the stuff we got going on around us, like it's, it's, it's not the solution to the problem. And now we've gotten to the point where, like, we're just being hypercritical of each other for no reason. And all of that is, 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 is making a pot of gumbo that's not going to taste well when it's done. Like, we're not cooking with a great recipe right now for success. Be that as it may, that's where we are. And so we have to figure out where do we go from here. 
how do we how do we press the needle forward? Like how do we move forward? Uh, we have to accept the fact that everyone is not open for uh, for unity. Like everyone is not really trying to to bring people together. You got more people working for the for the vision than unity. There are more people working for the vision right now than there are for people working for unity because you can look out on the land and see who's doing something, who actually has something going on to free people, and you would look and see what the support looks like. Like, people don't even support freedom anymore. They, to the extent that the same cutting off one's nose to smite one's face, like, people would not support initiatives and efforts that have the ability to free people for for all types of little reasons, like, for all types of little, like, big ability. It's a lot of bushiness. It's a lot of bushy, bushy running around in the movement, and we can't, we, we can't, we can't succeed like that. We're not gonna, we're not gonna succeed. And the thing I like the most about that video with that young man was that this is what it did for me. I mean, I'm not saying it does this for other people. You know, we can only speak for our own perspectives, like. When I be hearing people always talking about, like, we need to be doing this in the community, this, this, like, it's people out there doing that work. Like, the community that we need to be focused on is the one that we're in. These are the communities that need fixing, too. And guys running from that responsibility and and trying to, to, to be a part of stuff that's going on in society, like, that's a that's a that's that's fool's goal in a sense because of the the resources that it takes in the free world. Like the luxuries that we have in prison don't exist out there. Like it's expensive. Freedom comes with a great price in society. People trying to survive in an economy, pandemic, and all the and all the above. Like we can come with ideas and stuff, but like, what about the community that we live in? Like. Why can't we fix this community? Why can't we solve these problems? You know, and it's a lot of, like I said, it's it's it's, it's a lot more people signing up for fantasy world than their own reality. We have a parole initiative going on. We're working on getting parole, federal parole reinstated. We've been working on this for months. Uh, we've been networking and reaching out with people. We've been doing everything we can to elevate this issue, to elevate the conversation to bring the parole system into the spotlight. And a lot of people with parole ain't even supporting it. Like, these people actually have parole dates. But the guys on the federal side, like, they're supporting it. They're reaching out. Their contacts are making contact. They understand what we're saying. And so then you get the, you know, and then people want to get on the bandwagon. But the, the opportunity to be there from the beginning and lay the foundation in the work, the, the invitation to be there has always been there, but people run in front of work. You know, it's like what they used to say in the, in the, in the, in the civil rights movement. It's too many drive-by shooters in the struggle. They're waiting on other people to build and work and labor, and then when the issue gets developed, then they want to try to slide in. You know what I'm saying? That's suspect activity. That's suspect activity. And um, we just got a lot of problems in the community, man, and, and I understand the nature of them, like, we we come from the you know we know where we come from like the world didn't respect us you know we never had a platform we never were relevant and then all of a sudden here in Free Alabama movement we created a platform 
we created a worldwide platform for people who are incarcerated that wasn't in existence before we came into the fold. And now has created a platform and people have the opportunity. And some people, everybody ain't ready for the spotlight. Like everyone who gained the spotlight or gained access to the spotlight wasn't ready for it. You know, and so we dealing with those issues because we came from environments where we were nothing. And we were no where we were told we were nothing. We were taught we were nobody. And a lot of us believed that and we were able to overcome that miseducation. One way or another, we were able to overcome. But that didn't mean that we would be ready for everything that be coming our way. But like people sensitive to criticism, we all have to make ourselves available to our peers for criticism, for honest, legitimate criticism. Like you got some people that like they think that's their job. Like that's all they do is sit back and throw rocks and take shots. They think that's that that, that, that that well they don't think that 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 seems to be their job because that's all they seem to be doing. When it comes to bringing ideas to the table, they not they not shown they don't have any. When it comes to putting in the work, they ain't punching in on the clock. Do we have any other um any other people in the host queue, Matt? Savannah is here. Your okay. mic is open, okay. Savannah. Well, I was just checking. I wanted to make sure I gave everyone an opportunity. Like Savannah's dealing with a death in the family. Like before we met Savannah and we we started this live from the plantation, like we had about eight or nine brothers give a commitment that they would be here and to support the show. And, like, they ain't honoring their commitment. But this is not the only commitment that they're not honoring. They're not honoring a lot of commitments in their life relative to their situation for their children. Like like I said, once again, I'm referencing the young brother again yesterday. He said that's how he made an impact in the lives of the young men that he's impacted. He said by being consistent. You have to be consistent. And we don't have that level of discipline to allow us to be consistent in that way. And that's the reason why we continue to suffer. Because let's be honest. I mean, we know what action items are being planned, organized from the inside. But let's take a look at all of them. Are these really going to deal with the problem? No. The 13th Amendment stuff, is that going to free anybody? No. The parole stuff, if we don't get, if we just simply get federal parole reinstated, it's going to release some people, but not everyone who is deserving. The mandatory parole criteria, then you're talking a different ball game because now it's automatic. We're trying to get some automatic put into the system while we're working with all the other layers of the system. There's so many things going on right now, man. And, and, and one of the states, I can't remember, one of the states, Supreme Court, uh, struck down the bail system today, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't had a chance to read on it. I don't want to speak too much about it. But, like, this stuff is happening right before our very eyes. So we got to make sure that we align with the time. We can't be caught out of time, out of sync with the time. And that made me, and that has made me question some of my organizers. Y'all heard me mention about what Free Alabama Movement, like, we're, not, we're no longer going to be, um, advocating for the work strikes as a like this is that's not the key and that's not the solution anymore. And it's sad that we have to wait and, and put all the information together before we can come out and I can just explain to y'all what we fix and start moving on because you got people that be sitting around and listening and stealing ideas and taking them and run off with them and go trying to 
me, 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 and the whole idea get 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 watered down. You don't even get a chance to put it out the way you're trying to and implement what you're trying to implement because you got people that just sitting around just you know what I'm saying. This is their contribution to the to the struggle. You know, and so we just got so many problems, man. And um, you know, we gotta we we gotta go back into the think tank. Even the protests, like even the protests, like they're they're negligible. These protests ain't ain't fixing it. I mean, protests work in society with people who are already free. Like they can only supplement what we're doing. This can't be our lead dog protest. Like, the events that we're having April 3rd, like, I've already let the people that I'm working with, like, know that we're, we're not even going to brand this as a protest. We're getting out of that business. You know, we're getting out of the protest business. It's not a, a Bible. It's not something that's going to – it's not going it's to – it's, it's not a good use of resources. I'm not going to say it's a waste of resources and time. It's not a good use of resources and time. We could be utilizing those resources uh, better better and we do have some ideas to, to, to try to make things better but um like i said we just we, we at the point now where like you know even the way we release information and it's not even people on the outside anymore you know so um those are just some of my thoughts i wanted to open up with tonight i don't know who i was listening um, if anybody want to press one, got any questions or comments, something you want to add to the show, we live from the plantation. And um, just being back on here tonight, just so many things going through my mind with the movement, with the struggle, seeing things going on. We're seeing the George Floyd stuff going on um, out there in Texas. They had a little flare. I don't know if Savannah wanted to comment on that or not. I know she's dealing with a situation with her family right now, but she's still here. You know, she's still here. So um, did you want to update on that, Savannah, or were you just listening? How you doing at the moment? Yeah. Um, hey, Rosemary, I'm doing okay. Um, so, yeah, I just um, – today I – so I was at the Capitol yesterday testifying for um, one of the bills that was written by the Statewide Leadership Council, which I'm a part of. Um, and I was going to kind of hit on that bill just because it specifically deals with um, expedited release related to parole. Um, but anyway, so the 2331, I have talked about it before, and what it does is it um, authorizes the creation of an advisory board. So in the event that another natural disaster happens, um, an advisory board will be created with specific um, criteria, namely someone who has been incarcerated, someone uh, that's a family member, uh, someone who's incarcerated, and then specifically like someone who has uh, firsthand knowledge of how to deal with emergency preparedness management, which is super essential. But the other key uh, components of the bill is like it really highlights like how the prison is supposed to deal with managing visitation. And, you know, it really focuses on the people because what we notice is that like when these natural disasters happen, um, there's no real guidance to like, you know, how do we manage the people? Like whether we're evacuating or staying in place, like how is it like relayed in these pieces of legislation that we want to make sure that yes, not only the building stays intact, but you know, are the people going to be okay on the other end, right? 
Um, so that's what I was there testifying for yesterday, but today was the hearing for House Bill 88, which is the George Floyd Act. And there were several um, several organizations there. One was CLEAT, uh, I believe it stands for the Combined Law Enforcement Association of Texas. And they, of course, testified uh, against the bill, um, namely the piece uh, that speaks to qualified immunity. Uh, and so there was a lot of powerful testimony. The hearing actually just ended. It was about seven hours long. Um, so lots of people signed up to testify. And, and here in Texas, you have the option to also submit, like, a written testimony. Um, I, I submitted my testimony, you know, online. Um, but it was just very powerful to watch, like, people on both sides of the aisle saying, like, listen, you know, enough is enough. There was a press conference that preceded me hearing itself, and there are a lot of family members of people who had um, died at the hands of law enforcement um, there to just speak to their truth and really highlight the fact that, like, you know, somebody said today, like, it doesn't matter if you call it George Floyd, Land of Land, like, whatever you call it, like, every legislative session, we're hearing the same thing, that, like, people are dying, right? So something needs to be done about it. And it did get very heated. I think um, someone had to be removed from, from the hearing, actually. Um, but, you know, it's like people are tired, you know, and a lot of people sat there all day to get to get their two minutes in, you know, because it's that important, you know, that we were heard because, you know, we just haven't been. And maybe people have been listening, but there's just been no action. And so I just think that, like, it was great. The, the time is now, like, the climate is great, and um, it really did look like, I mean, you know, you never can tell because a lot of times they adjourn the hearings and then they try to work through and compromise with, you know, what type of changes and amendments can be made. But um, it really seemed like the hearing went well. So, you know, I'm really excited about it. Of course, I support it. Like, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. Like, I'm tired because, you know, at any moment, you know, it could be anybody in my family. Um, you know, I've been harassed by law enforcement, and thank God I've never been injured. But, like like I said, like, we as a nation are tired, and um, it's just time to do something different. Yeah, I agree. Um, any of your callers who want to chime in, please press 1. But, yeah, we just we, – we've got to do something different, you know, and um, – Whatever we have to contribute to this, then I think that we would be better served by everyone being together, but we have to accept the reality that some people are, they don't want to come to the table. They don't, they don't want to come to the table. Um, okay, hold on, y'all. You're listening to Live from the Plantation, and this is how live it can get when you're on the plantation. Archives are available at abolitiontoday.org. Okay. Yeah, like, um, you know, like, like I was saying, like, when you, when you come to the table, you have to be willing to give up some of your power, some of your shine, or, you know, and then some people are going to be used to being – 
at the top, and you may not be at the top when you come to the table with other leaders. You still relevant. You still have something to contribute, but you may not be king or the fighter anymore. You know, you might be a prince now. You might be a sergeant at arms. You may be something else because there may be other leaders or, you know what I'm saying? But the thing is that we all need to be at the table because it makes the whole table strong. And some people don't are not mature enough to make that. And so we rely on, on other things for divisive purposes. And we allow other people to keep us divided. I want to speak about something that I went through personally. Like, um, I had been through a torture chamber at a prison in Alabama. And when I finally was able to break free and I was able to get to where I could litigate, I filed a lawsuit about what I was going through at that prison. When I got the response back from the state about my, one of the issues was about my First Amendment rights and the, how the state was targeting me, trying to silence me because of what I was doing, the advocacy that I was doing publicly. And so when, the, when I got the response back from the state, from the state of Alabama, they had went on the website of Iowa and found my image under one of their donate buttons. And it was like, he still got people doing this, which I had no idea this was going on behind my back. And this was not the first time that I had had this issue with that organization. And so when, when I reached out to him and let him know what was going on and told him, hey, get my shit down, stop, like, these are the kind of people that, that have made their way into our midst. And I'm using this situation just as an example of how we allow outside people to divide us. And when these people have figured out a way to exploit us because they are more sophisticated than we are. That's why we have to have a closed metal rank sometimes. And some guys don't want to close ranks because they living in a nanny state. Like these people, they know how to they, – they figured out the game now. Like we'll give you pennies and crumbs while they're working in and doing whatever they're doing on the side. And they shift their money and, oh, this is coming in over here and this and this and this and that. And so I'm not willing to accept that. Some people are. I'm not one of them. And I'm not willing to accept those kind of people at the type of table that I'm willing to sit at. So we all understand that. You know what I'm saying? But my message is our message is always about what's going on on the inside and what we're going to have to do. And when we get too far, when we allow the outside forces to get too far ingrained in what we're doing, like these people are, are using that to a degree to keep us divided. And, and through that divisiveness, like, we can't survive. Like, we literally, I think I saw two agendas being led from the inside that have the potential, that, that are even talking about freeing someone. That's the strategic release and the parole initiative. I don't see anything else that even has components of freedom embedded in the action. So the action is not rooted in something to get us free. It's rooted in something else. Like the awareness about what's going on, we've done a great job at that. But now it's time to get beyond the awareness and to get back inside and figure out where are the release valves at. And that's all we're trying to identify. Like, we're not going to be beholden to no issue. Um, 
And people hear me talk about the 13th Amendment issue one time, so I want to clarify like a little something on that. Like, I'm not opposed to the 13th Amendment. I just don't agree with some of the, 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 the rhetoric and the strategies that are being employed. And I can give an example. Um, the bill that is being produced in, in the Congress, for example, like it's addressed in Section 1 of the 13th Amendment, the exception clause, which is great. Like I'm not saying we don't need that, but there is no parallel provision addressing except Section 2. Hey, you I don't you know. do realize I'm right here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, if you got something to say, you're welcome to chime in. I'm just speaking what I'm speaking my issue. So but you're what talking I'm about saying what you is, don't know, man. Like you ain't even asking me none of these questions, and I'm at the heart of it. You could ask me if these things are going on, but you're assuming, and then you're killing what I'm dedicating my life I'm not, to. I'm not like, assuming. Mean, like, I read the deal. I read the deal. Like, oh, I mean, I read the bill. I'm, I'm speaking on the bill that I read. That's what I'm speaking on. So what well, I'm saying is like, story, huh? You, you don't know everything that's going on. That bill is just one component, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm speaking on. And that's what I'm speaking right. on, that component. So I'm speaking on, like, the Section 2 component is like, there has to be enforcement. And, like, we have to identify the legislation, the policy, the rules. We're all over that. We're all over that. Pursuant to Section 2. Yes, we're and all over that. And that has to be addressed, too. Almost every show of abolition today, this year, has addressed that specifically because that's our main thing we're pushing this year. We've already formed legal teams. We've already started using our legislators uh, to have them push congressional hearings so that Congress can exercise the power within Section 2, which addresses badges and incidents of slavery. Just last week, we had a mm-hmm. brother who ran for president talking about that, badges and incidents of slavery. We know it's there. Yeah, I was on the show. I was it. on the show. Yeah, we I was know on how the show. It. It's not being ignored at all. It's part of the strategy. But like you said, we got to yeah. do multiple yeah. things simultaneously. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that from my oh, you got a, a line open too, by the way, a, a phone open. Okay. All right. I'm gonna finish this point. No, we're gonna go ahead and take the caller first, and then I'm gonna go back to my point that I'm making about from my perspective, what I'm seeing and what I'm reading in the bills and what's not in the bills as far as it relates to freedom, because the the abolition of slavery means one thing: that the slaves go free. And so, if we're saying that this this amendment continued the institution of slavery, then to say that we're fixing to abolish slavery and no one is going free is not abolition of slavery. But we'll take the call and we'll get back to that because I want to make sure I'm heard clearly on that. Go ahead and bring the call on that. Four six hundred, your lines open. Yeah, my understanding that there's a need, there's a want to amend the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution? Uh, well, you can't actually yeah, amend yeah. a federal amendment, so we're introducing a 28th Amendment that will nullify the exception clause of the 13th, very much like what happened with the 18th Amendment during Prohibition in the 21st. Well, that's well, you can amend it, like you say, but you know that that takes two-thirds 
Yes, the we're very aware of agree that. to it. Yes. Well, we're working yeah. with uh, 30 states right now in order to shore up the support through legislators. So we're going to well, need 34 states. Well, well, that's where we're at now, at 30. So oh, we're going okay. to force these away. We're at the, so why, at do they point, to, we're at why do they want to amend it, if I could ask, please? Because uh, the exception clause within allows slavery as a punishment for crime. And it's not something a judge decides. It's an automatic thing. You become property of the state, and you lose your rights as a citizen. They call it civil death, and that often lasts long after you've been released in particular states. Well, when when a person commits a crime against a state, what should the punishment be? You know, if you kill somebody, it's not the the family. You have committed a crime against that entire state. What happens if you didn't kill somebody? What if you just got caught well, with some marijuana? No, well, if you commit a crime, and I'll just use that as an example. If you commit a crime and you go through your due process and found to be guilty, then a person has to serve the punishment that that but crime it carries with that crime. You're making a couple of assumptions. One, that the person actually committed a crime, that they weren't framed or railroaded, and two, that due process exists. Due process does not exist. The Sixth Amendment is a myth. 95% of all cases end up in a plea bargain. Eighth Amendment is another one where it's not enforced. Uh, the crimes against humanity happen through the death penalty and fines and fees that nobody can pay for and bail that nobody can pay for. These constitutional rights are denied to specific people uh, on purpose <laughs> in order to keep this system running. Well, procedure due process is spelled out in the Fifth Amendment. The Fourteenth Amendment spells out substantive due process. But people do have, when you go, I sat on a jury trial in a court there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and the defendant was receiving their due process. It's spelled out in the Fifth Amendment. same Louisiana that just until last year had 10 and 2 juries where you could be sent to prison for life with just 10 jurors agreeing? That same Louisiana we're talking about? Well, if it's a state crime, yes, the state can dictate that. They're allowed to do that because they're sovereign. But what I'm saying, we, we don't want to get off the issue of the Fifth Amendment and due process. When I sat on a jury, we were affording that defendant in this case, and this individual was white, had to do with an incident at LSU University in hazing, he was, in fact, receiving his due process. So it does work. Well, I don't want to take well, I want to, I want to come show, in on yeah. that. I want to come in on that. I want to come in on that because when you're saying due process, like when 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 probable cause was made to arrest him, like the jury was not a part of that. Like when the grand jury heard his case and heard the evidence, the jury was not a part of that. We just saw in Breonna Taylor's case how that works. We all we all already know how it works, but we just got a good example of it made publicly with the grand. So, uh, and the due process that you're talking about, this is all part of the due process, the Fifth, the fifth Amendment. No person should be held to answer for a capital otherwise infamous crime and whatnot, on and on and on. Um, and so when he got what, the court like, Can we go back to the problem call you mentioned? Well, I'm not finished yet because I haven't finished with the whole layer of probable cause. All okay. right. Due process goes back to um, 
representation of counsel for his defense. Like, we don't know what his resources were. I don't, I don't know. I'm just speaking in general. Like, we don't know if he had the lawyer of his choice or if he had a court-appointed attorney. Most people in the criminal justice system, most people who have attorneys sitting right there are court-appointed attorneys. That court-appointed attorney does not have access to investigators. The, the, the DA has the whole police force. That defendant does not have access to independent um, lab, laboratory, scientific laboratories. The DA and the prosecutor has the whole state, hundreds of millions of dollar budget crimes, and, and, and we saw one manipulation, falsity after another in these departments of forensic science. This man goes to trial. He's put in front of a jury. We saw instances where black people are excluded from jury duty for any number of reasons. In Alabama, if you work at, at a, a, they got a place called a Sun Kiss and Wayne Poker Farm. Those are chicken houses, low income. Alabama case law says that people who work in those places can be excluded from the jury without denying their right to, to um, equal protection of the law. So, well, can I comment on some of those because you don't get so be, far? Before you guys go I'm, further, I just want to give the host uh, a heads up that there is another caller as well. Just like yeah, you. okay. I'm on just, the case I'm you just okay, mentioned with Alabama. That's a state case. That's a state law. That's not a federal law. Okay, well, go ahead, sir. I'm gonna let. But the, you understand that the federal constitution applies to the state, and that we have well, all of the protections uh, accorded under the federal constitution through the due process clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. You you aware of that, right? Well, no. Well, no. You just may mention to a state law, a state regulation. No. No, we talked about due process. You said That's about the, the about chicken here. place or something. You may mention about uh, the factory just a few seconds, uh, minutes ago. That's state right. law. That's not federal law. You said Alabama. Right. Okay. Well, let so me you, so you're you, talking sir. about you. You want to change a federal. You want to change a constitutional amendment. But you're making reference to something that's a state application of the state laws, which they have a right to do. Sir, so that okay. should that should be handled with the state. Uh, sir, we so have a you program called yes, sir. Under supremacy clause, we have a program called Abolition Today. You can hear all about this and call into that program and talk about this issue specifically. This particular program is organized by the people inside prisons dealing with the issues they want to deal with. So we're taking them kind of off track. But yeah, you're right. No, he's not taking us off. No, he's not taking us off track. As a matter of fact, that's our issue too. Like we're the people impacted by the Thirteenth Amendment and due process and equal protection. These are actually our issues too. So we're more than happy to entertain you right now in this conversation. Go ahead. Well, you said you had another call you was going to. Yeah, well, you. I wanted to give you an opportunity. Um, well, I, well, I think I said what I said. Yeah, I say what I had basically what I said is that the the Thirteenth Amendment has to go through a process which goes back to the states in order to change uh, states state legislatures. But you have two courts: you got state courts and you got federal courts. You commit a federal crime, you, you know what court you go to. You go to the state yeah. court when you when you commit state crimes against the state. For instance, murder murder is a crime against the people of the states, but it also carries federal ramifications. So uh, I don't think that I would want to see the 13th Amendment change. Now, if people in Alabama got a problem with something going on, that's the people of Alabama. I don't live in Alabama, but I stay within the United States of America. 
Thank you very much. All right, thank you. We'll bring the next caller on. <laughs> this nine is Father McKinney. Hey, Queen um, Wow. Interesting dialogue here. Um, so without me being particularly astute in the whole 13th Amendment, maybe not the whole thing needs to be changed, but there's a clause in there that absolutely needs to be changed, period. But in terms of him saying due process work, if it if it's not consistently worked as it is applied for everybody across the board, then it does not work. It disproportionately does not work for African-American and brown-skinned people of color, period. There's no question. There's no doubt about that. That is clear. Um, but the other point of it is, is not only does it not work during trial, during that point, you know, that period, when they're incarcerated, those are the things that the, the civil death, that the rights are being taken away, that they are being treated less like they don't have a voice, that they are not human, and that, you know, it's like they're good enough for, for the tax papers to, you know, pay all this money, but they're not good enough to try and salvage or have any type of self-respect or dignity. So unless you have been directly impacted by this, and it sounds like some people have not, and it's just an opinion, then you're entitled to that. We don't have a we, – we cannot change that. But we are entitled to be treated 100% as a human being, and we are not getting that privilege, that entitlement, um, being black and brown, whether we are in, in prison. And that's, that's what needs to be changed. I'm yeah, done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to argue with a man that says that he does not believe that the 13th Amendment should not be changed. I mean, and then I think he had a, a, I think he had an incorrect assumption that the 13th Amendment does not apply to the states. And, like, that part of it, you know, like you said, Max, you could correct him on it. I could correct him on Like, there are many states that don't have parallel state division that rely on the 13th Amendment to um, operate the prison system where they run them. It's like thousands of cases where people have challenged the conditions of confinement in the states, in federal courts, pursuant to federal law, and the federal courts have ruled that the states have the authority to do it by virtue of the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution. So, I mean, like, um, I think that may be something that, you know, maybe he could um, brush up his understanding on or whatnot. But, uh, like, you know, for me, uh, back to the point that I was making about the 13th Amendment and the, the bills and the stuff that I'm seeing, like, I have to see the part where we're going to be free. And like Matt said, it's going on. That may be true, like, I haven't saw it. I'm not. I'm not seeing that. I'm not hearing that. These bills that I'm looking at, they're not laying out this part of it, like the Section Two part of it. Like even in the bills that are being put forward to repeal or amend or whatever with these laws, whether it's Thirteenth Amendment or whatever law, like there's not a Section Two to it. It's only a Section One repealing the exception clause. Like there needs to be a, a, a Section Two added to all of these laws, either a authorizing Congress to enforce that new legislation and authorizing them to identify the, the laws that were used in the past to 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 enforce the exception clause and all of those laws need to be going down with the thirteenth amendment because I'm speaking about freedom, not slavery. I'm talking about freedom. And that's the only way that people are going to go free. So, the, and I guess that's what I need to emphasize 
that's the point I wanted to make in what I'm saying is that the freedom part of it is not what I'm saying. I haven't heard anything, I haven't saw any bill surrounding this that shows how people are going to go free. I saw the part where they're saying removing the involuntary servitude part will affect the way that they're able to use labor. I agree with that. But I'm talking about freedom. And if we're saying that this amendment has perpetuated the institution of slavery, then when that amendment goes away, then the institution and the practice that goes with it should go away. And I'm not seeing that. And that's that's the, that's the reason why I'm – I, I feel the way that I feel, or that's the reason why I have the perspective that I have about it, about the advocacy, and and, and why, you know what I'm saying, um, you know, that's, those are my issues. If anybody else wants to chime in, please press 1. Anyone questions or comments, we're listening live to the plantation. We appreciate There's no uh, one's up, but I wouldn't mind making a okay. Well, there is a hand up. just popped up. Okay, let's go. 4181. Yes, this is Brother Minister King. One of the issues that I believe that we that correlates to the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, a lot of brothers and sisters can't get back on their appeal, and that's something that we should be talking about because of the Bill Clinton law, the anti-terrorist. And a lot of times what we fail to uh, realize is these cruel and unusual uh circumstances when they just take indeterminate sentence. It only exists because of the 13th Amendment. So when you remove that clause in California first, as they as we our focal point is to do with the abolition of uh, bondage coalition that we're moving forward now to uh, amend that in California, then we'll be uh, moving forward to uh, amend it with the Congress. I think it's implicit because when you have laws like, I think, before I came home, you have uh, Blakely, Apprendi, and they were saying the aggravating factor outweighed the mitigating factor. The judges, the, the justice had to come down with that. And brothers and sisters didn't get no type of relief until the courts themselves because they had already ran out of their time constraints. So this goes directly to the fact that if you don't know how to read and write, and you got the judges, these justices talking over your head, and you don't know words like merit, and it takes you over a year to learn how to put in a habeas corpus. By that time, it's already too late. And then when you go in, they saying, oh, well, you, you, you didn't exhaust your remedies, and they hit you with the Messiah rule, et cetera, right? And you might have factual innocence, I mean, actual innocence. It takes uh, organizations like the Innocent Project to come and say, oh, well, we have uh, uh, exculpatory evidence to exonerate this person. But let's go all the way back to the gate. You go all the way back to the gate in a white superior court where you have a jury, like the brother was saying, that's not of your peers. That's that, uh, I think that's Willer, the Willer Law. Then you get a brother in Boykin versus Alabama take this plea bargain, can't read and write, don't know what he took, took this plea bargain, come to find out later on, they railroaded him. Now he or she or them or they trying to get back, and they can't get back because they got this adepa thing over their head. And it takes for a judgment to come down through the courts to say, well, we believe that the aggregating factor outweighs the mitigating factor, 
Now everybody trying to get back in before the gate closed back on them. So I think it's implicit that it's, uh, 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 it's obvious that it's due process violations across the board. And it's in its primary uh, towards people of color, you know. So to sit here and, and act like uh, that we don't know that um, institutionalized systematic racism exists today, we'll be fooling ourselves. And only way we're going to be able to build this new uh, paradigm and move forward as a collective inside and out is when we have real mature discussions, whether it's in Texas, Alabama, California, and see and really look at it and take an analyst and say, why do we even have these men and women incarcerated? Torture? If that ain't cruel and unusual, what is it? Because it's not human. Only thing I can look at it is capitalism that went out of control into imperialism. So this is why we I stand with the brothers and sisters that said that we need to amend the thirteenth amendment and we also need to look at this Sedeba thing because this is why a vast majority of brothers can't even get back on their appeal. And that's something I haven't even hit heard nobody speak on. And that's that's the root right there, this Bill Clinton, this first black president. Okay. Hey, I want to. Uh, I want you to stay on for a second because I want to comment on one of the things you said in particular. You talked about the anti-terrorism and effective death penalty act. Um, we just did a webinar about our parole initiative, and one of the things that we did in that was we identified six critical pieces of legislation that that we consider to be part of the Thirteenth Amendment, Section Two part, and it was the. Um, the Sentencing Reform Act of 1984, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986, the Truth and Sentencing Act of 1986, the, um, the, uh, the, the, the Crime Bill, of course, and the Prison Litigation Reform Act and the Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act. And you just reiterated the same thing I said, that like that's one of the main pieces of legislation that they have that's making this system caught locked the way that it is. And that goes back to the point that I was making about these, these conversations about the 13th Amendment and what, like, like these particular laws, if the 13th Amendment is going to be repealed for any reason, whether it's deception clause or humanitarian grounds or whatever, the part in Section 2 where Congress has the authority to enforce that and where Congress has actually enforced it through legislation like what I described, like, if that, that type of legislation is not undone, no one's going free. And that's what I'm saying is the issue is that it cannot be a, a twofold issue. It's one issue. The, the, the amendment has two sections to it. And even the amendment to, um, to amend the United States Constitution to annul the 13th Amendment, it has to have a section two in it. And it has to address, it has to empower Congress to do something, and it also has to address the laws that are currently on the books. And, and that's the only thing that I'm saying is, like, I have to see freedom in this. I can't just see a pirate victory. I can't just see a, a partial – I just can't see – the whole thing has to be, be addressed. And, and that's, 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 the, um, that's the issue that I have with, with, the, uh, with the whole thing about it. It's like we're fixated on the exception clause of Section 1 but we're not fixated on, like, slavery is not abolished and the slaves are still in the plantation. That's not abolishing slavery. That's changing the law. That's, that's something that's two totally different. Um, we're coming up on our first break. Um, I guess what we'll do is we'll go ahead and go into our first break, 
And um, I know Max said he wanted to come in on some things on the other side, so we'll come back out of the break on the other side. Uh, we'll check to see if any callers, anybody want to press one, and then we'll get into further conversation about uh, some of these things that we're uh, discussing tonight. Uh, we're going to go back and talk about due process and whatnot. Uh, we heard a brother just mention about the appeals and stuff like you don't lose your freedom when the verdict of the jury is rendered. Like, you still have other processes to examine those processes that have been used, and that's the appellate court on the state level and then on the federal level. And in those areas, like in Alabama, we've never had a, a black judge. I think there's only been one black judge in the history of the state elected to statewide office to one of the state Supreme Courts. Like right now, every last one of the judges on both courts are white. And it's been like that for a while, and it looks like it's going to be like that for a while to come. Like, we're not getting – I'll say this, and then we'll go to break. In my over 22 years of incarceration, I've litigated over 100 and something petitions. I've been in judges on every level of the state court, the, the circuit courts, the district courts, the Court of Criminal Appeals, the Alabama Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, United States District Court in the Southern District, the Middle District, and the Northern District, the United States Courts of Appeals, back to the United States Supreme Court. The only black judge that I've ever litigated in front of was Clarence Thomas. That's the only black judge that has ever reviewed anything that I filed in over 20 years of litigation. You know, so due process is not just the jury, it's the review process of reviewing the judge's errors, reviewing prosecutors' errors, reviewing jury instructions, reviewing information about jurors that wasn't supposed to be on the panel. That's all a part of due process, too. And I don't think anybody would want to come on here and try to defend what's going on in these appellate courts around the country. But we just saw Roth, we, we know Rodney Reed, we know Nathaniel Woods, we know all these people that continue to be murdered, innocent people off of these death rolls, and just it's just too much. I mean, like, we, there's no due process in this system. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on the other side of the break. You know, sometimes I think they don't truly understand me, you know, because they don't. Change the world as we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do will say today that's worthwhile With assurance by your action and your first child I begin my first now Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me It's like they want me to shoot my chance and change this society But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart You chose to follow suit but tell me what to do for you Except where you down now you Trapped inside the cubicle they built for The first step in the change is to take notice Realize the real game that they try to show us 300 plus years of them cold shoulders Your 300 million of it still got no focus Sorry America but I would not be your soldier Obama just wasn't enough I need some more closure And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over Let's face facts cause we know what's the real motive In the land of the free is full of freeloaders Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners In the land of the free is for the free loaders Leave us 
dead in the street to be the organ donor They disorganized, my people made us all lonely Yeah, we can't change the world unless we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt Full house on my hands, the cards I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do is take today that's worthwhile With insurance by your action Trickery in the system, put my niggas in prison All our history hidden, ain't no liberty given We all fit the description of what the documents written We've been lacking the vision and barely making a living We too worried to fit in, while they been benefiting Every time you submit it, we all guilty admitted The low won't get you acquitted, but you still ever forgiveness For opiates and syringes, then inject us religion Now many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission Many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission A human with supervision, ain't no living condition I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping that they will listen Start a new coalition against corrupt politicians It's not enough out the prison Too many murder convictions Nothing family evicted Nothing black man the victim That's as really as getting You should take recognition And the land of the free is full of freeloaders Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donor They disorganized, my people made the soil loner Still got the last names of our slave owners And the land of the free is full of freeloaders Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made the soil loner Yeah we can't change the world unless we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health All eyes be my witness when I speak with felt Full house on my hands, the cards I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do is say the day that's worthwhile With insurance by your action and your first child discussion in the first half um, talking about freedom. Like this is um this is what we are about. We about freedom. Free Alabama movement, the national freedom movement. That's what the conversation is. Like we're looking for pockets where freedom can be obtained at. And uh that's what we're that's what we're directing the people. Like anywhere else like We can't just have the people uh, in the wilderness. 
so to speak. Like the people can't be allowed to be roaming around in the wilderness. We have to have a clear path of freedom. It has to be clearly defined. Everyone has to be able to see it. Like you cannot mobilize people around something that they don't that they they don't know. They're not privy to. They're not educated on it. You can't do it. You know, people have to know. So um, that's why we take these chances. A lot of people criticize us on the Free Alabama movement because we be out we be out in the forefront. We use our, our freedom tools. That's what we call it. Some people call them cell phones, we call it freedom tools. But we use them to fight for freedom. And we receive a lot of criticism because of the way that people in Alabama use these devices. We're not as you know, we're a little bit more out front with the way that we utilize. And everybody has to play their role. It was it was ideally if that's not the role that a person would play, you would think that they would be cool with not being asked to play a role that they're not. But they try to define other people through their roles and be like, oh, well, y'all shouldn't be doing this and that. But we're not trying to tell nobody else how to play their role. You know what I'm saying? If everybody just play their role, the team will win. Somebody has to put the issues out on the forefront because people don't just know how to find people. Somebody's got to come out and, and, and take the shot. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to, but, you know, we ain't asking nobody to be no sacrifice, sacrificial lamb, but we understand that you are going to be a target in this work and that um, these people have satellites that can read underground. It's not like, I mean, the, every the phone call is recorded. They, they, that's just, we have to be honest about, we have to be realistic about, like, where we are and what we're dealing with. Like, we don't own these phone companies. They monitor, the CIA owns all of this stuff. That's how we approach it. Like the CIA on everything or NSA on everything. So that way we don't have to worry about trying to, to beat the, the wiretap. We just, they own it. So hell, just be careful. You know, don't say nothing stupid. Don't get yourself messed up. You know what I'm saying? But do what you got to do. And, um, you know, we, 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 we don't have a choice. Like we have to get someone has to, somebody got to do the dirty work. And, um, and another thing, like, you know, People wonder why we're able to do what we do. Well, we were not, we didn't come about because of, like, no particular circumstance or nothing like that. Like, we had a period from 2015 to 2017 that there was, a like, a, I guess the word to describe it would be a rebellion. Like, the youth stood up and, and, and they, they, they aired it out. They didn't have the best leadership, but they aired it out. And I mean, and it went on for two years straight. It was not a one-time incident where these guys got into the police, got into the police, and was standing off with an episode. With the, uh, they called the uh, National Guard and everything. We didn't have that. See, we, we come from a different background. That's why shit different for us. That's why things work different over here. Like, there was a period around here where you – I mean, it's just hard to describe. I don't want to. I don't want to try to glorize it or glamorize it, but I want people to understand that like our struggle has been different than what other people have been through. Like we haven't just been talking about certain things that people like to talk about. Like we did a lot of that stuff. Like from 2015, 2017, it was a lot of rebellion going on in this prison, and it was directed at the police force. Like they were oppressing and. They time ran out, and they, and they didn't get to, you know, it took a long time. It wasn't happening at just one prison. It was not happening at just one prison. And so it set a, it set a culture where, like, 
you know, guys would be out on the, on the yard with the phone, child hall with the phone, phone on their ear, just walking around prison because it was a new day it was established here. And like I said, it wasn't a one-time event. It went on for a long period of time. And so over time, every, it, it, it just it created its own culture. And, and police like, shit, I'm not risking my life to go get no $15, $20 phone. And so it, that's, that, that stuff didn't go away. And so a lot of that's still around that. People understand, like, you know, people understand that, that, that there's a lot of, you know what I'm saying, that it's not, these phones are not the threat that the state try to make it. Like the government and all those people that be, the big weeds that be talking, like the people on the ground understand, like, man, I'm not going to be hearing that. And it's because of what went on on the ground. And so what has went on on the ground in the theater in Alabama is different than what has went on in the ground in other theaters. We ain't just been harming each other over here, you know. We ain't just been gang-banging and, 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 and carrying out all our uh, uh, hatred on social media against other organizations and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's been a lot of, it's been a lot of different type of stuff going on over here. So that, that's what makes the things that we do you know, people be looking at it on the outside in and be trying to judge, but you ain't put in the work that we done put in over here. That's the reason why it don't make sense. I got a comment. So, do we have uh, someone else want to come over here? Somebody talk. <clears throat> come on in. Hey, hey, yeah, this is Minister King again. I just want to say from, um, I think it's already established what we've been doing in California as far as the, 2011-2013 mass hunger strike, as a collective, we've been, uh, you know, centralizing the people. So I just want to let it be known that we recognize what you brothers are doing, and that's why we always uh, said, regardless of what we're around, you know, it's about the works. Um, we already know when you're part of this struggle, you're going to be attacked. You're going to be uh, uh, objected, subjected to any type of uh, reprisals. So I think um, you think about strategy and, and strategic, short term and long term. One of the things that we had did when the pandemic hit, from California Prison Focus and Cage Universal, some of our demands was, hey, you know, don't retaliate on some of these principal thinkers that because we put these uh, these demands in, because a lot of them was being held in solitary confinement for thirty and forty years because of people dropping ten thirties on them and, you know, frivolous quarrels. It did escalate it to other things. But another one of the demands we had asked for uh, tablets. And it, it, it seems small when we ask them for our uh, freedom, but it's a, uh, it's a strategy where if you get tablets now, I don't know if they got tablets in um, Alabama, but if you get tablets, then at least you got access to do emails and whatnot and, and continue uh, your communication because consistency is key to any type of movement building. So, you know, I just want to empower those that they read uh, San Francisco Bayview, California Prison Focus, the MIM, you know, get involved with the radical journalism of, you know, spreading the word about that solidarity because the things that you speak on is true. But, you know, the worst enemy sometimes is ourselves because right now we we dealing with a high iron. So let's strike. You know, and when we strike, and I always say let's strike genocide, we try to go around the wordplay because we don't want to look at what it is. It's a real genocide. We got a, a core group of people that's on the yard, as you say, that's dealing with a gangster mentality. 
and then you got a core group of people that's dealing with a uh, self-realized revolutionary mentality. And I ain't just throwing up a chant. I'm saying those is doing the work, whether you, you're doing litigation on the yard. But the bigger picture is how do we bring all these organizations together, whether you're in New York, Texas, California, wherever, how do we look at the focal point of freedom? And then I always say, what do freedom mean to you? Because it may not mean the same thing to the second person. Some people feel that that was let out of solitary confinement, now they're free, and they're content with being on the general population. And then some people feel that because they're on probation or parole free, that, you know, that's tangible freedom to them. But then I'm looking at what's going on out here in society after I just came home, and I'm seeing that you got to have a pass, uh, 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 go get your special ID to move around now. Now they're talking about you got to have vaccine uh, uh, passports now. So it's so much going on with the people out here that's trying to support the brothers and sisters behind the wall. So the temperament should always be based on a united front, no matter what we're going through. And if you brothers lose a line of communication, there should be a channel that you guys can link in in California, in Alabama, Texas, and that's what these newspapers is for. That's what we're here for. That's what, what This is why we communicate on every aspect through the culture and arts. Because you got to be able to tell a story, not just on the panel discussion, but you got to be able to tell it like, like what I say, Egyptian yoga or mindfulness. You got the sound. You got the taste. You got the smell. So some people going to read about it. Some people going to hear about it. But you got to be able to be strategic how you're going to get the message out. Because a lot of these kids, just like you said, they don't know, and they can't build on something they don't know. The average person that's an uh, activist don't even know about that Bill Clinton uh, uh, law. The average person that's coming to prison don't don't know law. So it's a whole lot of education we got to do, and we got to do it together because I always say we all walk in encyclopedias. You're going to know something that the next brother don't know, the next brother going to know what the next sister don't know. But right now, it's all about unity. It's all about solidarity in every aspect, and I yield the flow. I apologize if I too, took too long. Thank you, bro. I, um, everything you said right now, you know, I echo everything you said. Like, you know, and that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, the inside, the guys on the inside. Like you said, you just gave an example. Some will have to be wrote. Some will have to be heard. You know, all the different mediums. And you got guys that they choose to, to move in one way and they see people acting in the other ways and they go to shooting bullets and, and, and social media revolutionary gangsters and all this and that. Like, but the other people ain't doing nothing but trying to reach the audience that you ain't reaching. Like, if you ain't making yourself accessible and you got you a, 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 a holy circle that, you know what I'm saying, you got to kiss the picket ring to get into well, the people that don't want to kiss the pinky ring but still want to do the work, just because they go out there and start doing the work, then you got brothers that, that that's on the inside that, you know what I'm saying? It's just we're dealing with a lot of we, – we're dealing with, with issues with trauma and issues with manhood, masculinity, uh, social, economic development. Like, we're dealing with a lot of issues. We get that. But, like, if you're going to be on the front line – you need to be. You need to be. You need to have. You need to be in uniform. You know what I'm saying. You need to be in full uniform if you're gonna be jumping out here always on the front line. And part of that means that um, you know, just 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 stop the fake. Just 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 you know that 
we ain't at a point right now where we that stuff has a it has a place in time. We ain't at that place in time right now. We at a we at a different place in time. Like it ain't been too long ago. See that's what that's what people forget. People forget about this. Like 2016 was only five years ago. It hasn't even been five years yet. We haven't made the five-year anniversary of 2015. Like, the brother just talked about the, the various hunger strikes that went on in California, 2009. I, can't, I think it was 2009, 2011, 2013. I may be mistaken. But they had three massive hunger strikes in the state of California. Then they had the, the, the other individual actions that were taking place in individual states. Like, we just started doing national events. Like, we just started doing that. Like, the, the first one that we did was in 2016, the, the, the nationwide food strikes and boycott. But, like, that was just five years ago. You know what I'm saying? But people acting like, you know, we've been doing this all the time. Or, like, like we can call a nationwide strike at the drop of a dime and people just going to go in. And that's not the case. And so that's the reason why I'm saying people need to check their egos, and then they need to check their resume. And then make sure you go back and check the history. You know what I'm saying? People need to check their egos. They need to check their resume, and then go back and check history before we just be jumping out here, you know what I'm saying, um, bling, blinging and shining because that ain't getting us nowhere. It's not advancing the needle. The needle got advanced in 2015. The needle was advanced in 2015, the first time a nationwide event was planned from inside. Not 2016 was not the first time FAM did a nationwide. Actually, did it in 2015. Then 2016, we did the nationwide inside action, and you know the rest is history. So it's not like this has been like you know this ain't been the ticket, but we here now. We have the ability to network. We have the ability to communicate. We've already saw what our potential is. We just like a five-star prospect freshman on campus. Like, is we going to realize our potential or no? And that's why we're stagnant right now. We're stagnant right now on reaching our potential. We've already saw what our potential was, but we're stagnant on reaching it because of we've allowed too many outside entities to come in and, 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 and spew their poison. And it's not just the outside. I'm not going to just blame the outside because outside is not 100% responsible. But, like, we're at a crossroad right now on figuring out what we're going to do next. And we all, ideally, we all should be at the table. But if that's not possible, then we need to make sure that we at least communicate our issues. Like, I ain't never been in no situation where I, where um, people have problems with each other and they don't, you know, two men don't get together. Like the G code always said, you know, you got an issue with, but you know, it's a lot of B code uh, conversation going on. It's a lot of B code conversation going on, not G code, but B code. And that's part of the problem too. And so it's just a lot of suspect things out there. People ain't fact checking, calling, do, do, do. And um, this is the result. We got nothing for it. We planning a whole lot of nothing, and in the end, the question to come the freedom issue. That's the issue, man. That's the only issue, the freedom issue. Put whatever you're doing on the table and show us where the freedom coming at out of it. If you can't do that, then you 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 are you playing in the game. You're trying to be deceptive and slick, and you know these conversations now. You get on these conference calls, you hearing more and more about. 
fundraising and donations and woo 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 woo. The word freedom get mentioned, maybe, but all the other stuff, all the other rhetoric, you gonna hear that throughout the whole conversation. And I'm just interested in one thing, freedom. You know, I don't care who you is, what you pulling up with. Show me the freedom in it. That's that's the only thing I'm asking. Whatever your plan is, whatever your idea is, show me how these gates gonna open. Show me how people gonna go free. And if you can't do that, then I'm going to be critical. I'm going to have something to say, and I hope that you mature enough to accept my criticism. And then if I'm wrong, show me where I'm wrong. But if not, then let's sit down together and let's go back to the ironing board and let's come up with a plan B because plan A didn't fly. And that's all I, I got to say on the matter. We welcome uh, any other callers. Please press one. We want to hear from you live from the plantation. Um, about 15 minutes into the second segment of the show, and um, we just, we just, we just. Uh... You got a caller? Go ahead, bring him on, Max. Nine five two zero. Hey, your brother Elijah, hey. man. I just want to say good evening. I love you, family, and um, but be new, man. Hey, man. I love you, my brother, and I'm like you, brother. Until y'all show me how these gates gonna swing open and show us freedom, then we need to come back together and get together and do something because that's exactly what the slaves need to be free. It's time to slave. It's overdue. Slavery is overdue. It's, it's time to free the slave, man. And Ben New, I just want to say, brother, I take my hat off to you, man. I'm enjoying this show. I'm enjoying what everybody's saying and everybody's input is positive, but it's time to free the slave. And I. See you there, brother. Thank you, bro. Yeah, man, that's it for me. That's, that's, that's the only thing I'm, uh, that's a, you know, and it's hard work. And I know that, um, you know, I, I have a, people say, people say what they want to say about me, you know what I'm saying? But this is the thing about it. Ain't nobody never said that I ain't free, I ain't free no slaves. You know, they can't never say that. The, 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 uh, the population numbers in the state of Alabama show that free Alabama movement has had a greater impact on the reduction of the population in the prison since we've been in existence than any institution in the state, state government, anywhere. We done had a greater impact on freedom than anybody, not just in Alabama. And then our ideas have had a – I ain't going to just try to categorize, but our ideas – Okay, let's bring the call in. 6103. 6103, thank you for calling live from the plantation. Go ahead. Yes, hi, can you hear me now? Yes, sir, we can hear you just fine. Thank you for calling. Yes, sir, thank you. Well, how are you guys doing this evening? We're fighting for freedom, man, so you already know when you ain't got freedom, you know how that feels. That's all I wanted to ask you about. When you talk about freedom, like freedom from what exactly? It's my first time in the call. I'm sorry, I can barely hear you. I don't know about the rest of the calls. I'm not getting you uh, loud and clear for some reason. No, I was asking, like, freedom from what exactly? It's my first time coming to the show. I was just trying to find out, like, what it's about. Somebody's going to have to. He said freedom okay, for what now? exactly. This is his first time on here, and he said freedom for what exactly. Uh, freedom from uh, where they? Mass incarceration. Um, 
No, sir. Freedom from slavery. They say that uh, we're slaves, and so we want to be free from slavery. In America? Mass incarceration, and we want to be free from mass incarceration. Whatever it is that has these chains in between us and our families, our communities, our loved ones, we want to be free from that. So are you just trying to say that prison and slavery are the same thing? No, sir, I'm not no sir, I'm not trying to say that I'm saying in the thirteenth Amendment of the United States Constitution it says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for crimes shall exist in the United States. And then on the uh on the US Congress floor in the minutes they and in the states around the United States they said that they would use that amendment and like amendments to re enslave the slaves who were recently freed off of the plantations and put us back into prisons and put us back to work under the slavery and involuntary servitude clause of the Constitution, and that's what we have, and we're saying we want to be free from that. So you're, so you're saying that the majority of, say, in this case, I'm assuming you're going to specifically black people in prison. So you're saying that the black prison population are people that were taken against the will and put into slavery, they didn't commit the crimes they were charged with? I'm saying that whether the crimes were committed or not, we're saying that from the inception, the, the, the criminalization process was created. Like when our ancestors were released off of the plantation after working for over 250 years, we, we did not receive any form of compensation. We were penniless. We didn't have a house to go to. We didn't have clothes to put on our back. We didn't have food to put in our stomach. We didn't have any land. We didn't have anything. The people who controlled all of that were not sharing it with us, but they had made that because of our labor and sacrifice. And so they started creating crimes that they knew that we would be susceptible to, and they made it excessive punishment. They even created crimes like vagrancy laws. If we were out after a certain time and we couldn't tell them where we were going, that was back in slavery. If we owned a business, but didn't have a job working for a white man, that was a crime. So they created a criminal culture that they used to incarcerate our people, and they've continued to do that since the beginning. And so we're saying that even if people are guilty of some of the crimes that we're being accused of, it doesn't justify the fact that we're being held in inhumane living conditions. We're being held for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, and the whole time that we're here, we're being forced to work for free. And we work for free even when we have families, we have children, we have our own personal needs, and that labor, it does not reduce any of our time. It does not give us any kind of extra credit. We don't get to send money to our our children and whatnot, but at the same time, they use that labor and profit off of it, and they make billions of dollars, and we make products that are used all around the world, including the cell phone that you're probably talking on right now. And we feel like that that's unfair, but that unfairness is tied to the 13th Amendment, which allows them to do that, which is the practice of slavery. Okay. So I see where you're coming from. If, would you would you be uh, willing to hear, like, uh, maybe an alternative perspective on the matter? Or yeah, sure, sure. You had asked the question. I was just trying to give you a general answer, like, you know, this is – No, no, I appreciate that. I just – because now it lets me have a full understanding of where you're saying, where you're coming from. So maybe I could say it like – so – are you aware of what it's like, for example, prisons around the world and what's the, what's the criminal justice systems are like in other countries? Well, we are aware of some of them, but, like, we have a unique experience here in the United States as black people. Like, we've been enslaved 
by a foreign government that came and kidnapped us from our homeland. They took our religion. They took us away from our families. They took us away from our community and our cultures. A lot of the people that are incarcerated in those foreign lands, they're still in their homeland. They still speak their own language. They still have their own God. They still have their own culture. They're right there with their families. We didn't have that with what they did to us over here. And then we were subjected to another plantation before we got into the prison that was even more brutal, more inhumane than anything that, that, that most people around the world are going through. Even though they have bad prisons, they're only dealing with prisons. We're dealing with a 400-plus-year institution that has been going on since we've been here. Okay, so let me let me let me try to put it like this. So, like, number one, uh, this is what you're saying. I can understand where you're coming from, especially if you're from an America perspective. I'm assuming you were born in America, right? That's correct. Okay, and I say this as someone who my family immigrated here when I was very young. I grew up in America, but I've, I've spent a lot of time overseas. And what I notice is that people in America have a very different understanding of what oppression is compared to what, what it's like in the rest of the world. And Americans take for granted a lot of things they have in this country that are considered privileges or luxuries in most of the world today. And so because of that, I think Americans have like a, like a I don't want to say in a disrespect, but I really, it really is like a warped view of reality. And they, they, they have a, they think human life and human value is much higher than it really is. So, like, outside of America, human life is very cheap. In America, they, 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 they go with this pretense that, like, human beings are worth something. Like, there's such thing as human rights. Like, they, they actually pay lip service to it. In the rest of the world, they don't give a damn. They don't, even, they don't even go through the song and dance of, like, hey, people matter and we're all equal, all that nonsense. No, no. The rest of the world is it's as cutthroat as you can possibly imagine. But here in America, you guys got, like, you're in this, like, bubble where you got all this luxury, all this freedom. You, you're the only country on earth where you got poor people walking around at 350, 400 pounds. That doesn't exist anywhere else on this earth. You know, in every other country in the world, if somebody's overweight and fat, that's a, that's a status symbol. That means you got money. That means you got enough money where you can eat enough food where you can put on that much weight. But in America, they have they call it an obesity epidemic. You view you view being fat as a negative because everybody's fat in this country. Because everybody eating too much damn food. Because you guys got too much of everything. In America, you can freely say whatever you want about your government and not have not be worried about being killed or put in prison the next day. Like you can get on this radio program right now, say whatever you want about the president, about the government, about your mayor, about whoever you want. And you're not you're not you're not gonna bat an eye when you go to sleep tonight. You're not gonna be worried about them, you know, coming in the morning and murdering your whole family and hanging you in public as an example for the whole country, like they do almost everywhere else. Like you have heard but the name Mumia, right? This... Like you heard that name, political prisoners and shit. And you're talking about ain't nobody in here getting arrested or putting in prison for what they say about the government. You never heard of the Black Panther Party? Like what are you talking I'm not about? talking about I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about you. I'm asking you Let right now. Are you are you Let worried? Are you worried at all about getting on this radio program, saying something about the president, and worried that they're going to come kill you tomorrow if you do it? 
Are you even, would you even well, think about it for the one question second? question would be, well, let me, have you had assassination uh, attempts? Have they done that to you already? That should be the question. Not are we waiting for it, but did the shit already happen? And the answer would be yes. Okay, so you, you've, had, you've had someone try to kill you for speaking out against the government. Yes. They tried to kidnap my dad. Okay, children. when did this happen? The cops put a fucking door. You know what? It happened. I need to send. I think I. I, I, I mama attempted to send you the video. Like, do we need to send him a kinetic video? Do I need to send him one of my? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not asking you. I'm not. I'm not asking you to tell me about somebody else that lived 50, 60 years ago, like the Panthers. You're gonna bring up the Black Panthers. No, the person I'm talking about. This I'm, I'm, not, like, I'm talking about uh, you about right 40 now. Forty days ago. Yeah, no, I but said, I'm not talking about you right now on this radio program. I'm asking you. I said, do I need to send you? You must not hear me. I said, do I need to send you, like, one of my videos with my head busted wide open? Do I need to send you my lawsuits showing you where oh, okay. That's, that, that's a perfect example. Now, let's, let's go with okay. that. Now, tell me, why, why, okay. did, why did you get assaulted? Tell me that. I want to know. For, for um, speaking out against what I'm doing right now, for speaking for freedom and against slavery. And, for, and, for and who, who assaulted you? The uh, police thing. The police. So... So let me get so explain what happened. So what happened? You were walking down the street. You were at the police station. When did this happen? Like what are okay. you talking about? Like how did this? How did it come about? Where they just involved okay. with you? Well, see, I told you, man. We gotta let him keep talking so he can understand. So we can understand. Now we understand. See, this show is live from the plantation. Like I'm an incarcerated person. The people that you're listening to talking, we are incarcerated people. We are incarcerated in prison subject to police surveillance and brutality at all times for what we're doing. We're trying to dismantle and expose the system. And for doing that oh, behind you, enemy lines. Oh, you're calling live from jail? That's, that's correct. That's correct. Live from oh, the wow. plantation. Okay. How long have you been in jail? Like recently or like it's been no, a long so 22 time? 22 years. 22 years and count. For, for what? For... Uh, habitual offender, enhancements, and a, a murder conviction. And did you did you commit the crime that they charged you with? No, sir. So you you're so you're in prison. You're innocent of the charges that they charged you with. That's correct. And I'm not uh, an okay. exceptional. Well, I'm sorry. Offense. I'm sorry to right. hear that. Are you have That's you right. looked into like trying to get your case appealed or whatever? Like try to get a result That's what this or, movement is about. or what's going on? That's what this. That's what this movement is about. That's what this whole movement is about. It's about not just me creating a platform for all of us to elevate our issues and get them out to the public and let people see and understand what's going on uh, with this system and why we're challenging the 13th Amendment and the institutions that were built off of. People think it's about crime and punishment. We're not institutions that are based on crime and punishment. We're institutions. We're being. We're in institutions that are based on profit, that are masquerading as being about crime and punishment, and so we're exposing the the, the truth about right, it. Right, but but that happens in it. every country in the world. Every country in the yeah. world makes their prisoners either work or live in, like in America at least. Here, the state, the the, the the conditions in American prisons are a million times better than in almost every other country on the earth. Like, they, yeah, do, do they feed you in the prison that you're in? Do they give you food to eat? We don't want improved conditions. We want freedom, though. We want freedom. We don't want improved conditions, and we're not trying to compare our conditions to other people's conditions. We're trying to figure out how do we finally, after being on this continent for over 400 and some years, 
ever get the freedom that we never had. Like their general, you came to this country. We were oh, well, black here. people in general yeah. got freedom in America. What are you talking about? There's a so you, so you tell me all the black people that have good careers, have own businesses, have a family, like like have a good life, like that. What is that? Was that an accident or like how do they pull that off? No, we. I mean, like we. There are segments. There there are segments and classes and different. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Right. right? We're here. So I mean, like, so that's they my point. Up every black person, even they if black in America. Every, they haven't locked up every black person, but their records will show well, you. Well, it's, it's that also black because not every targeted. black person necessarily yeah. went out and committed a crime, or were or hanging around a certain type of people that committed crimes. You know what I'm saying? Let's yeah. be real. Every, I mean, it's not every like time every, a bomb, it's not like every black every time a bomb, innocent. Every time a bomb drops on on Baghdad, a crime is being committed. But the person that's dropping the bomb ain't being charged with the crime. So it's not. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not about crime and punishment. Every time the police murder an unarmed person in the street, a crime is being committed. But he's not being charged with a crime because he's an agent of the state. So you're trying to say that one form of murder is a crime, but another form of murder is the police operating or the military operating. And we're saying that these contradictions no, no, not, not are being... Every, not, every, not every killing is defined a murder. You have self-defense as an example, right, okay. or manslaughter as another example. When you when murder has to do with, with premeditated intent to calculate to murder somebody, to kill someone. There's a difference yeah, for example the police being attacked and you defend yourself or let's okay. say you're driving a car and you accidentally hit somebody. That that's why we have different categories when it comes to what it actually yeah. means to kill someone. So okay. well, let me murder, say this right murder, here. Murder, murder means premeditated act. Okay. Well I'm gonna say this right here and I'm gonna give you a premeditated act. All right, that's not being punished. And then we're going to go on to our next callers. I think Max wanted to chime in. I'm going to say this. Every time that they carry out capital punishment, it's a premeditated murder. The person that they're about to kill does not pose a threat. He does not have a weapon. He's in handcuffs. He's in shackles. He's surrounded. He does not pose a threat to human life. They strap him down. Are you, are you talking journey. about someone who's getting death row, who's on death row, who's been charged yes, with a crime? Yes, you talking about? yes. Yes, that, that's okay, what that's I'm talking different. about. That person. Well, that's a pre. It's no, different. Capital yeah, punishment because, you, that, that, because you're that, willing that's to killing accept. them because they murdered somebody. Because so for example, if, if somebody molested a little kid, kill. no, listen, Wait, let's let's somebody, somebody. I let you finish, but I let you finish. But I let you finish. But I let you finish. You're willing to accept state power to kill in a premeditated fashion without consequence. Of course. But you're not murderers. willing to. Yeah, if you're killing to. somebody, they they don't they don't execute anybody. They don't just execute somebody who robbed the bank. It don't, don't matter who they execute. Who, it doesn't matter. Of course, it's a human life. It does that being that is premeditated murder. Okay, so if, if, some, if somebody if somebody murdered your mother, are you going to be okay with them walking off with a slap on the wrist and then walking free? Are you going to be cool with that? If, if the state, if, if someone kills my mother. And the state yeah. carries out capital punishment against it. It does not change the fact that that's premeditated murder that the state is doing. The question is, am I willing to accept it or not? Am I going to try to okay, relabel so it or tell me justify What's the proper justice then? What, what, what's the what should happen to that what? person? If, if for, somebody for murders person? your mother, if somebody murders your mother, what should happen to that individual? I think uh, I'll be the one that administers justice. I don't need the state for that. Okay, so now, so, there, so you're, you're making the same point. 
You 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 don't uh, no, no, no 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 because I'm not acting as an agent of the state. I'm not a state agent. I said I'll administer just. I'm not a state agent. And I'm not saying that, that my that's actions what government, will be just Governments have or laws not. in place, and they hold people accountable okay. for it. Because okay. you may be, for example, you may be strong enough to get justice for yourself, but there are people out there that are not strong enough to do it. There's people okay. out there that are and not even, strong enough to defend themselves. Okay, but the state should not have the authority to intervene in the private affairs and carry out that form of plan. I'm saying the state should be neutral on that. But we're well, getting kind of off track. We're going back and forth. No, no, we're, we're, we're on point ground. because you're, you're essentially saying that criminal justice is wrong and that as if the state should not be giving and getting involved in punishing criminals. So I would say to you, what would you do? I never said with, with all this. So, for example, if somebody robbed your house or somebody murdered one of your family members, or if somebody was committing crimes in the neighborhood, let's say raping little children, what should happen to them? Should they? Should they? Well, what, should, what, should, what, should, what should society do to those those people? Okay, okay. I'm glad you asked that question. Now I'm gonna answer this question for you, and we definitely gonna move on. I think that if a person commits an act in society that demonstrates that they need help, that the state and the community should be able to collectively remove that person from the community as long as he poses a threat or still has a problem. But he should be sent to a place that is structured to address the problem and to rehabilitate the person with the intent of being able to put him back into the community. That's not what we have right now. No, how how could you do that for somebody that – okay, if somebody raped a child, you're telling me we should rehabilitate them and help them back into the community? It's possible. Where, where, it's possible. Where's the punishment? In your whole statement, you made no mention of any punishment whatsoever. You okay. made it seem like okay. you should well, be helping them. Well, what's the problem? Where's the what punishment caused at? the problem? What is the problem? What made that person do I don't, that? Bro, Was I don't need to know what issue? caused the problem. All I need Was to it know is that well, that's what we need to that's be That's the problem out. right there. That's what we need to find out. What's the cause of the problem? And then try to address the root cause of the problem. But we don't do that. Okay. We just so, try to so define now, it now, as let's, a criminal let's, act let's use that logic. Let's use that logic in your own personal life. If somebody murdered your mother, are you going to say to that murderer, oh, what caused you to murder my mother? What, 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 what made you do that? Is that what you're going to say? What if, it was, what if it's a severely mentally you, ill you know person well, and a you mentally ill I'm asking you. What if it's a mental illness? I'm, a, that I'm asking you. Do? I'm asking you to, to think about what you're saying. You're you're telling That's other people saying. whose whose families and their families been violated that they should somehow treat the criminal like he's some type of victim that needs our help as a society rather than us punishing him for violating another person. That's what okay, you're well, telling me. You're telling me we need to rehabilitate somebody who is in a who's offended other people or hurt other people. That's right. That, that, see, that doesn't make no sense. Okay. Now, how can you have a functioning society that way? That would be saying that people who commit crime would get away with it. Because if someone goes out and murders somebody, rapes somebody, steals from somebody, does whatever, rape, assault somebody, you're simply going to say, slap on the wrist, we're going to supposedly help you in some way, shape, or form, and somehow put you in a, in a, on your feet and send you on your way? As if what you did mm-hmm. didn't matter? Is this the person that you hurt? They like they don't matter. Like their rights don't matter. None of that. It's okay. You just go on ahead. There's no society. Well, no no country on this planet would ever accept that, and actually think we're going to run a society that way. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. That that's a make believe world that does not exist. 
Well, you might need to do a little bit more research. You would never allow that for one second to your own family. You wouldn't do that for one second. If someone did that to you or one of your people, you would never allow the idea of treating that person like a victim. You wouldn't allow it. You said yourself, if someone murders your mother, you would go kill the person yourself. So I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I never said that. You said <laughs> I. You said I said to you what should happen to the person that murdered your mother. You said I, said, I, I would take justice in just. my own hand. I don't need I to see really to just. do it. That's what you said. Okay, I never said I murdered him though. I ain't say that. You said okay, that. what are you gonna do? Are anyway, you gonna go, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna beat him up? What are you gonna? What? How? How? How would you get justice on somebody that murdered your mother? What, what are you gonna do? Let's move on, Mac. What we got? I know you got to move on because I just I just showed the flaw in your logic, man. Because you no, know full well what you're what life. you're asking society to do, you would never accept it for yourself and your own family. You would never accept that. There are no more hands up at the moment. All right. Anybody else want to chime in on our brothers? Um, yes. We need to get your contact information. What? Can I get your phone number and call you after the show? <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, man. Okay, Listen, Matt, you I want to know you, first uh, and foremost. Send me that phone number over, Matt. Uh, are you me. okay with that, brother? And yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, ma'am. All right, go ahead, ma'am. This is McKinney, and I want to know to the person that's um, bringing a whole different swing to this. Why did you call into this call? Why are you here? No, I, f- I found the show on Blog Talk Radio, and it was talking about freedom and abolition. And I was like, the, the title of the show caught my attention, so I called in and asked the host, like, you know, what's the like, what's the show about? And he talked about freedom, and I asked the freedom from what? And he sort of explained his whole position. And as he explained it, I, I kind of offered a position to what he was saying, and then that's when me and him kind of got in this back and forth, and you know, kind of. Okay, so let, let me tell you from a personal experience, someone. Killed my best friend. Shot okay. her in the head. Police officer. Am I forgiving of that? No. Do I think that taking his life is going to... We, we, we live in a judicial system where we have laws that are supposed to deal with those type of things. And so if he's sentenced to 50 years, that's where the punishment came in. You kept saying, where the punishment comes in? The punishment comes in when you are convicted and you lose your freedom and your liberty. That's where the punishment comes in. You don't continue to punish them. Can you live with some of the decisions? Some of us can and some of us cannot. Some of us can be more forgiving than others. In terms of the, the molesters and the child, people that do that typically hurt people, hurt other people. So that is, you know, it needs to be something that needs to be healed. If we don't break these cycles of pain and destruction and trauma, it will continue to go on. It will continue to go on. We recognize that. So we are not saying that, you know, oh, it's not a big deal, just slap them on the wrist. No, but we do want to know what caused it so we can stop this cycle from happening to the next person, to the next child, to the next man, to the next. We can't erase what has already happened, but we can truly certainly try and prevent it from happening again. So, I mean, that's a fair point, but then you'd have to also ask yourself a simple question is that, why do why do we have the threat of these punishments for crimes in the first place? Like, did you um when you grew up, right? Did your did your parents discipline you when you did something wrong? Absolutely. 
And did did your did your mother ever tell you like a, if she if she caught you doing something bad like did she ever say to you I'm gonna tell your dad or did she ever threaten to whoop you? FBI Absolutely. Guys. Wow. Yeah. So now now think about that. Now why did why did why did your parents do that? Because the the threat the threat of punishment the threat of punishment itself can be a deterrent from people doing bad things. Sometimes. So if you don't have a if, so if there's no real punishment for a, for an offense. People are more likely to do things. For example, like if you see kids today, most kids today don't get beat by their parents. That's why you see kids in grocery stores cussing their mom out. Like if you look 20 years ago, you would have never seen that because if a kid did that, he would have got his behind whooped so badly he wouldn't be able to go to school the next day. But kids today don't get whooped, and that's why you see them disrespecting their parents because they have no respect for authority no more. So the same is true in society. If you have a society that says we're not going to punish you, you're going to see more crime and more people take advantage of other people. That's what's going to happen. From your point of view. But my no, mother... We're talking about reality and human nature, bro. No, I'm That's why I brought up the analogy of children. My mother... The children are a perfect example. Next day, I went out and did what I wanted to do. Period. Continue. Not all the time. No, not all the time. Most, there was a point... Most of the there was time. a point... I mean, depending on how you were raised, there was a point... In your life, you had a moment of hesitancy before you did something. Now, you no, definitely would never do it in front of your parents. You may have been you may have been bold on your own, but there's no way you would have done it in front of them because you Listen, feared them and you feared the, you feared the repercussion me, of what they would do. You get out of school, come home, and guess what? I came home when I got home. That wasn't straight home. I knew what I was oh, going to happen when it got oh, there. That, that, that's, I mean, that's a reflection always. on your personal character, the fact that you disrespected your parents. That's on you. I'm talking about most most people. Most people don't do that. Most people, if their parents tell them what to do or they threaten them with punishment, they usually don't do it. Or they might do okay. it once or twice, and they usually stop it. I'm just keeping it real. That wasn't the case for me. That wasn't the case for me. I mean, you know, generationally, culturally, there was a whole lot of other things going on. So maybe it's a reflection on how you were raised. But I mean, we're here trying to find some solutions, and I clearly appreciate um, your perspective on some of this. But, you know, we try and leave our ego and judgment out of this, and we are really looking for solutions. So I just wanted to know why you called. But uh, but that's a good point. If you're going to talk about solutions, solutions have to also talk about reality. You can't have it one-sided and make it seem you like, talking about oh, reality. all criminals in jail are just a bunch of victims. You don't get to judge. No, we do. Of course you get to judge. You're judging every everybody judges. Of course man, you get to judge you just do microphone, man, I think he just disrupted the whole program. With I think this guy really want to argue. Um, no, I think I think what happened is I offered I offered a different perspective. And yeah, you're used to only talking to people who agree with you, and that's. You know, we talk to victims, impact families. We talk to all kind of people, but clearly we're not afraid to make our point and have our conversation with anybody that's willing to come to the table and be fair. Yeah, you know, I second that because, like, I mean, I, I don't need people to agree with me. Like, it's not necessary that he agree with all of our points. He don't have to agree with our positions. Like, even on the flip side, even for people who believe in punishment, like, how much is enough? Like, even when he was making the reference to the parents whooping the child, like, there still is a limit. Like, you can't just keep beating the child until you beat the child to death. You have to get it to the point where the understanding is reached. 
And the prison system does not stop at understanding being reached. The prison system keeps beating and keeps beating and beating until people are dying one after another. And we're saying that that's part of the problem and is rooted in the culture of the prison system and the way that this thing was constructed from the very beginning. And that's what we're challenging. That's what we're fighting against. We're challenging and fighting against the degree of punitiveness that this culture has allowed itself to administer and what through propaganda and the media and institutions and the way that they teach people in society what they've now got people willing to accept. And that's what we're fighting against. Like, if, even if you agree with punishment, like, okay, how much is enough? If a person did kill my mother, if I was on the side where, yeah, I wanted them to be punished, like, how much punishment is enough? You can't bring my mom back if she's been deceased. Like, you can't undo that. You've committed an act that society says is deserving the punishment. Okay, how much punishment is enough? What 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 caused them, like, was this a total stranger? Was it a domestic situation? Is it mental health related? Was it drug related? Like, there are a lot of factors that go into what is the punishment, you know? And it, it's so many things that goes into this. Not just a cut and dry question. Like he was asking it from the emotional perspective, or what if it's your mom and thought that I would feed into the emotional aspect of the question? I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm beyond that. Now I have to start asking other questions. Like what caused this person to do that? And then when I get that answer, like how do I want that particular problem to be addressed? And so it's like it's a multifaceted question. It, there's multiple dimensions to it. But we living in a society that only want to uh, deal with it one way, and that's through extreme punishment. And that's what the plantation taught, and that's what the current plantations continue to teach. And so, like, that's the part of it that we're like, we've had enough of that. Like, we're not, we're not willing to embrace that anymore as the solution because it hasn't solved anything. The death penalty has not stopped capital crime. The death penalty has not stopped anything. Like, what's causing the crime? We need to be trying to figure out what's causing people to get to this level of desperation, you know, and then we know everyone on death row didn't even commit the crime and innocent people are being murdered. So clearly that's not a solution because it's killing innocent people. So with so many things, like we appreciate the conversation, Queen McKinney. I appreciate the, the the last part of what you brought to the conversation. I missed, got caught up in the conversation, but that's what we're here for. And I appreciate you for coming and just clarifying on that point. Uh, we're getting ready to shut the show down. Uh, last 10 minutes of our call, and uh, we just thank everyone for all the contributions that they made to live from the plantation. Uh, for hearing everyone, I'm going to turn the mic over to the floor. Anyone has any last part of words? Yes. We're out. We're out. Yes, I do. Can I say something? Please, Mike. All right. Uh, I want to make, I'm only going to make two points, okay? Uh, number one is this show is sponsored by Abolition Today. Abolition Today specifically focuses on the 13th Amendment. We have covered just about every angle of this issue you could possibly imagine. Our archives are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Feel free to go to abolitiontoday.org and look at the titles. And if something piques your interest, whether it be the 8th Amendment, the 6th Amendment, 4th Amendment, uh, blame the president's interviews with the descendants of abolitionists, whatever you want to check out, feel free, and you will learn a lot. Uh, That's number one. Number two is... uh, I'm here, and nobody is more involved in the movement with the 13th Amendment than me. I am involved behind the cage with you, Banu, and others like you, all the way up to the senators. So if you've got any questions, don't wait for the news to tell you. Don't wait to see a bill come out. Ask me. 
I can tell you way ahead of time. You don't have to come on and bash what we're doing. You can ask me directly. You got my phone number and can call me anytime you feel like it. And that goes for anybody else. All you got to do is contact me if you got a question about this movement to remove the exception clause. And the last thing I got to say is this. We never did this shit before. In eight months, we have removed exception clause from four states. We've got 12 more with legislation and 15 coming up behind that. It's never happened in the history of the United States. We've done it for the first time. Give us a chance. It took us 400 years to get to this point. We're trying to get rid of it in 10 or less. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So if it's about the 13th Amendment, please feel free to check out our archives and our live show every Sunday at 7 p.m. at abolitiontoday.org. It's the only thing we talk about. All right, back to you. Patricia. Thank you. Uh, all right. I just want to add to that, Max, that I would never bash you. Um, and also, like, um, as far as answers to questions, like, uh, I feel confident that um, the universe, the creator, the creative force and power in the universe has endowed me with the ability to answer my own question. And that if I have a question that I feel like I can't answer, I will reach out. But I do have faith in myself and my own abilities and my own powers um, to answer questions um, for me. And so I just wanted to add those two things, and then we'll turn it to the next person who wants to speak. Go ahead. Oh, this is, can you hear me? We can't hear you, brother. Go ahead. Okay, this brother Elijah again, man. And it seemed like to me, and I could be wrong, and please forgive me if I am, but it seemed like the brothers were trying to say that we had a problem. Incarcerated people have a problem of being incarcerated. But that's not the issue because I'm an incarcerated person, and I believe if I commit a crime that I should be punished. That's me. But when the punishment becomes oppression, depression, and dehumanizing uh, me or another human being, then that's where the problem comes in at, and that's what's going on in the state of Alabama today. So I just want him to know, man, we don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with being uh, uh, punished for a crime that I commit. But like I said, when that crime or that punishment becomes oppression, dehumanizing, and brutality, and, and sometimes a fatal uh, um, um, situation, then that's when I have a problem with it. And that's, when, and that's the only reason I speak out, because that's exactly what it turns to. It turns to dehumanizing, oppression, depression, and murder. So I have a problem with that, and I will forever speak out on that until the day that my breath is taken away, and I'm pleased with that. Queen Lieutenant. Hey, um, I just hey. wanted to say I think that in terms of um, the conversation we're having, first of all, it got there was a lot of emotion going on, and, you know, because this is so near and dear to our hearts, you know, from a personal perspective and a, a racial and a collective perspective, you know, we just have to just take a pause and take a breath because uh, we're in this together, and we can't let difficult topics divide us. That's the first point. The second point is for the brothers that just spoke. Um, I don't know what the caller's thing was, but we understand that we're not disputing. Our conversations are not about guilt or innocence. That's already been established in terms of not from a judgment perspective, but the time served is, you know, we're, you know, we're talking about the excessiveness of the time and the conditions, and as you said, it's oppressive. It's it's um, it's inhumane. It's it's above and beyond what you were sentenced to. You were sentenced to lose your freedom, so the liberty to come and go as you you choose things that day. This extra stuff that they put on there that just dehumanizes you, that tries to break you down, 
um, from so many different perspectives is above and beyond even the courts. And so that's what we are trying to, you know, the issue. Like, you guys are still men. We are, there are still men and women and humans. We still love you guys. And so the fact that you guys are being subjected to these things is beyond the stretch of anybody's imagination for 30 or 40 years. My husband's been incarcerated for 46 years. Who, who? So there's a natural assumption that he's this terrible, dangerous person. But it's not that. I mean, the system is fractured beyond repair. So, um, these are really hard conversations to have, and I just think that we just kind of remind ourselves of that. The brother that was speaking about the 13th Amendment, I commend you. Um, I mean, we just all doing the work, and then I think we just get overloaded with just the toxicity of all this negativism. So I just want us to just take a pause and take a breath and know, you know, together we stand, united, you know, we got this. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Queen McKinney. All right, y'all. The ship, the mother ship, has to depart, and uh, we uh going to continue on the journey to freedom. We finished the business of the night, live from the plantation, and we we, we fixing to set sail to find some more who know they are slaves and are ready to be free. Thank you for joining us. Live from the plantation. You Abolition. Can reach out to us. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't be Abolition. Abolition. Today. I thought it was very important that this man, who was the first Grand Wizard of the KKK, who massacred many black Union soldiers, I wanted to see that he sits right here in the most powerful building in the state of Tennessee, in between the most powerful chambers in our state, and that's the House of Representatives and the Senate. And every day I have to walk in to make legislation for all people of Tennessee. I have to walk past a Klansman before I go into the people's house, and I think it's important because many people don't get the opportunity to visit the state capitol, especially during a pandemic. But you need to see that our state capitol is recognizing and supporting the first Grand Wizard of the KKK in a building that should be a building where all people can feel that we are entering these chambers to represent them and make their lives better. Worse. America never loved us. Remember? Pittsburgh, they never loved us. Remember? The police, they never loved us. Remember? Worst behavior. Every time I ride around here in Cyrus Sound, some crooked ass cop might fire rounds. And that shot might let me down. Somebody gotta tell my mom they paralyzed a child. We need Malcolm with the M1 and then some. Bobby Phil with that shoddy Phil gives some. Man, we need power across security for every black child that's made it out of puberty. Black leather jacket, black shotgun, Huey P. Special see them bullets fly, nigga, duty free. Bombs crucified like the cross on your jewelry. My quicker police in the hood on the shooting streets. Athlete, y'all almost had to read his eulogy. Shot five times by the cops so brutally. In a wheelchair, still getting all the scrutiny. Even though a pair of guns truly be acting on the worst behavior. America never loved us. Remember? Men in Florida, they never loved us. Remember? Men in Florida, they never loved us. Remember? Then we pay more attention to Michael's new Jordans Or the outcome of Michael shooting Jordan For protection, do I need a rifle when performing? If we start turning up, when they try to murder us Dangerous black kids ain't welcome in suburbia All we want is justice and equality to nerve us Still deny services, criminalized by journalists Turn the other cheek and get killed by Christian conservatives Mass incarcerated in prison is where they hurting us Calling us thugs, you hear I'm trying to reach the Sherman us 
Acting like ain't nothing worse than us But be the first to bust last against nurse and cuffs We ain't forget you used to purchase us We were swinging from the trees or you burnt us up Now we organized and ready to stick the merchants up So get them purses up before you see us on our worst behavior America never loved us Remember In Cali they never loved us Remember Man, them judgment never loved us Remember Andy Lopez was only 13, seven shots from the sheriff, left him in the dirt lane, to his mother and his father had to be the worst scene, do you